Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Hey, if you're a fellow podcaster, let me tell you about Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. That's right. They're providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And let them know the nerd sent you by adding our podcast, The Amazing Nerd Show, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Once again, that's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Nerds, it's time to suit up or shut up. Launching Badass Rockabilly Track. ANS protocol is active, now processing multiple multiverse realities. Time to save the world with some wrestling, video games, movies, horror, and more. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, after a couple weeks of special episodes, putting a bow on 2020 and getting ready for a brand new year, we're finally back to our regular scheduled programming, talking all the latest in nerdum. Uh, this week, we'll be discussing the first two episodes of WandaVision. We've got a review for Promising Young Woman. And later in the episode, here are our predictions for this upcoming year in wrestling. That's right, Damon. And it's also the return of Christian's Corner, where I'll be giving my final review of Cyber. Cyberpunk 2077. Plus, I have some big Star Wars gaming news to talk about. All right, and we got a lot of news to catch up on, so let's get into it. All right, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions. First up, Chris Evans rumored to be in talks for a return as Cap in the MCU. So this rumor really took Nerdum by storm last week. Uh, Chris Evans is reportedly in talks with Marvel to return as Captain America. The rumor is that he would return for at least one Marvel property with the door open to do other films later on. Um, reportedly, that does not include a solo Captain America film. Uh, this would be more in line of how like Marvel used Robert Downey Jr. to like kind of co-star in other films. Uh, so mind you, after this report, Chris Evans did come out and you know quote say this is news to me so definitely take it with a grain of salt although this wouldn't be the first time an mcu star tried to swerve us so i mean it is what it is i personally am two minds of with this news like i love evans and i do feel like you know eventually a comeback would be warranted and great uh but i also feel like it's just too soon right now i mean his send-off was pretty perfect and i really just want sam to get a chance to carry that captain american mantle for a while um and let that story play out so when falcon took over for captain america in the comics my big concern was that it was just going to be a gimmick which I think is unfair to the character and to, you know, fans. Sam just deserved better. And if, you know, Chris comes back, maybe it could be just as, you know, like Steve Rogers, you know, Commander Rogers. Um, you know, He could work as like a mentor to like, you know, younger heroes, uh, kind of like what they did in the story arc, uh, the first star story arc for uh, the Young Avengers. And we know that the Young Avengers is going to eventually be a thing in the MCU. So maybe that would make sense. Uh, you know, and if he does eventually like pick up the shield again and become Captain America, um, it's got to be a huge moment. Uh, and, you know, maybe we get a situation where Sam and him both are carrying the shield at the same time. I mean, we've got multiple Spider-Men at this point and a million fucking Green Lanterns. I mean, I think it could work. I just really want to see the story handled better than what they did in the comics. And I'm just really rooting hard for Sam. No, yeah, I agree with you. I feel like it'd be a total disservice to have you know chris evans return way too soon when we're just now getting you know getting introduced to the character 
of Falcon as Captain America. I think uh, we definitely need more time for that to marinate and stuff. And hopefully the show is good and, and, and it works out. I think the only reason I would want Chris Evans to return is to see Evil Cap at some point. I think that would be a great turn of events for him down the road. And that's a strong possibility that it could be like an alternate reality version yes. of, you know, Captain America. But then is it kind of a letdown for fans like to see like Nazi Captain America or, you know, <laughs> like for that to be like the big return, um, you know, for Chris Evans? Um, I would like it, but I could see people being quite disappointed. I guess. But I mean, remember how big Hail Hydra was for when that came out? I mean, like that hit everywhere. And that was just on the comic book level uh -huh. of it. I can't imagine how big that would be on the actual big screen. To have Chris Evans actually be yes. like the next big bad <laughs> in like the Marvel Universe and uh -huh. no one have any clue it's coming that'd be pretty fucking cool but at the same time i don't know <laughs> i just have a bad taste in my mouth for the way like secret empire ended yes so <laughs> i think we all do. i do trust like heaven foggy <laughs> to be able to pull that off i just don't know if i want to see that story on the big screen so no. um you know and i think it just people will just be longing for chris evans even more you know to be like the, the original captain america at that mm -hmm. point you know, uh, but yeah, no, we'll see. It's, it's going to happen no matter what. I mean, I feel like there's no reason any actor wouldn't return to the MCU. So, I, I mean, that's my two cents. No, I agree. I agree. Up next, rumored Charlie Cox has reportedly wrapped filming on Spider-Man 3. So there's been rumors literally since the end of Far From Home that Charlie Cox would be playing Peter Parker's lawyer in the third Spider-Man film. And with all the recent, like, casting for the film of, like, multiverse, you know, uh, characters, former villains, and, you know, from past franchises, whatever you want to call it, um, those rumors have only intensified. Well, comicbook.com last week has somehow confirmed that Charlie Cox, you know, reprising his role as Matt Murdock, um, has recently wrapped filming on the third Spider-Man film. Uh, no word if, you know, he's playing the same Daredevil we got from the Netflix show, or if he's playing a new, like, MCU version of that character or if he even dons the horns or, you know, if he's just playing a courtroom lawyer. But all I know is, dear God, I hope this is fucking true. <laughs> and I'm hoping that Marvel confirms, like, something eventually soon. See, but now they've already got me, like, thinking there's going to be this big final act where, you know, Spider-Man needs all the help he can get. And out of nowhere, here comes Matt Murdock, fully geared up, ready to go. Uh, ready to fight it's like you didn't know i was actually daredevil this whole time type of moment i don't think he reveals <laughs> his secret identity <laughs> well, <no. laughs> but i mean he could join the final battle i'm okay with that yes. <laughs> that would be badass now, uh, nothing would make me happier to see pretty much that entire cast come back especially wilson fisk yeah so no i agree oh wilson fisk would be such a yes. great addition to the mcu um, and Spider-Man. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so would you like to see the entire like Marvel Netflix cast return and like debut in the MCU? Absolutely. I mean, I think even Iron Fist could find its way in an MCU. Nope. I feel like if they, <laughs> someone else could take that direction and, and make it go, you know? <laughs> I don't know. They've got a lot of work to redeem Iron Fist at this point. Um, you don't want um, Danny showing up at the end of Shang-Chi and the Dead Rings. I feel like if it's a different, you know, version of the character, I'm okay uh, with it. But and I'm okay with, you know, the actors returning to the roles, but being maybe different versions of those characters also, because mm. um, I would like to actually see like a, like a Kevin Foggy like run like Jessica Jones, like what that would look like or a Daredevil show for that matter. Like, you know, keep the same characters cast in those roles, but, like, what can Foggy do, you know, bring to, like, Matt's story? So, I mean, I'm fine either way. I just want Daredevil to be in the MCU, but it's, you know, I, I don't know. It would be interesting to see a Foggy version. Yeah, I mean, um, like, it seemed like there was a lot of reports at the time that Kristen Ritter was pretty much done with Jessica Jones at the time. But I feel like if anything would bring her back, maybe, you know... A different direction like something on the comedic side like how they're doing with she-hulk would be something that would bring her back in general as an actress because i thought she was phenomenal yeah as jessica i just jones. wasn't thrilled with the last season of jessica jones yes <laughs> so i didn't like how where the story arc took her i mean i would want jessica to still keep her edge though like so i wouldn't want her too comedic but mm. i mean yeah no i i would like to wash away that last season <laughs> 
So I'm okay with that. Like I said, and especially like Iron Fist, if we can pretend that's not a thing, I'm good with that also. But man, I love the way like Luke Cage season two ended. Yes. <laughs> so maybe you keep like certain aspects of like the Netflix shows and then just kind of forget, you know, <laughs> about other things. Like even like yeah, the entire Defender story, like, you know, series, miniseries, whatever. Like I, I'm okay with that going away. Honestly, <laughs> um, I also don't forget John Berthal as um, Punisher would be great to see. Him yeah, continue. yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, that would also have to fall in line with Deadpool and be rated R, though. Yes. <laughs> All right. Up next, we got a big rumor about a possible sequel to the Batman animated series. All right. Another story straight from the rumor mill is that we might be getting a sequel to the legendary Batman animated series um, going straight to HBO Max. No word if this would be helmed by the original creators, Bruce Timm and Paul Dini. But on Kevin Smith's latest podcast, Fat Man Beyond, uh, he confirmed in a roundabout way that he heard this from a very good source, someone in the know. And he actually heard this a month ago, um, you know, uh, prior to it hitting the internet. So it sounds like something that's at least in talks and hopefully even further. I mean, this would be absolutely fabulous news. <laughs> I mean, my daughter is a huge Batman fan. So recently I introduced her to the animated series and man, it still holds up so well. And you know, it was just such a milestone for animated shows at the time with it's like amazing storytelling um, and just like proving that animation isn't just for children that it could be used to tell great, like, you know, adult themed stories that resonate. I mean, it's influence on the industry is pretty unparalleled. Um, this just makes so much sense. I feel like it'd be a bigger story if HBO Max would like choose not to do this. I just really hope that Tim and Dini are along for the ride. No, yeah, I would feel terrible about any team trying to like take over for them instead and work on it. <laughs> like, because that's such big shoes to fill. Yeah. That series is phenomenal and lives with me to this day. No, this I agree. Point. I agree. Um, I, it would definitely have to be a situation where they're at least like on board as like executive producers. Yes. Um, I mean, the one good thing is like there's been so many different artists influenced by that series where I feel mm. like they could probably do a pretty good job like capturing that vibe as long as the studio chooses to go in that direction. Yeah, they better not like over digitize it and like no. get like go far away no. from like hand drawn stuff. No, it needs to look exactly <laughs> the same. Exactly. You know, Black canvas and absolutely. all. Absolutely. Don't fuck with perfection. <laughs> all right. And now we have some big Moon Knight casting news. So, yes, over the last couple weeks, we've gotten some Moon Knight casting news. Uh, the biggest story by far is that in roundabout fashion, uh, Oscar Isaac has been confirmed to be playing Moon Knight by the show's uh, cinematographer. Uh, this has yet to be officially announced. But uh, we also recently found out that Ethan Hawke will be playing a villain in the series. Uh, we don't know who, but my bet would be on Bushman. Uh, he's this mercenary who takes a big part in Spectre's like origin story. So, I mean, either that or they could have him play uh, the character Werewolf by Night, uh, whose series Moon Knight actually made his first appearance in. But I personally would like to see him play the hood. Um, and I've been, you know, singing the hood's praises for a long time, wanting to see him in the MCU. So this is definitely just wishful thinking on my part. I just feel like he'd be the perfect big bad for Hawk to play as an actor. Um, he's just this common street thug who rises to power um, after he finds this magic cloak. I think, you know, he's a great match for Moon Knight and just a cool mix of like this, you know, of like street level crime and and like the supernatural uh which you know the moon knight series kind of has always been about so uh they've also casted may calmaway and i'm destroying her name in a undisclosed role but a significant one and the hollywood reporter is reporting that justin benson and aaron moorhead of spring and vhs viral fame will be directing several episodes of the series all right, well, that does it for news. We watched a show this week. That's right, Christian. We watched WandaVision. I think something's wrong here. Wanda, can you read me? Who's doing this to you? Are you here to help us? 
is our home. Then let's fight for it. All right, Christian. So WandaVision finally debuted. Uh, we got the first two episodes. Christian, what was your overall thoughts? Um, I think if you were to reboot Bewitched tomorrow, Elizabeth Olsen's got to be a shoe in <laughs> She did an absolutely fantastic job in these first two episodes. I was actually pretty impressed by just like her acting ability at this point, like in the show, because it's totally different from what we got with, you know, her in, you know, Sokovia all the way through, you know, all these MCU movies so far. So it was definitely great to see her in this role so far. Yeah, they definitely captured like that, like, you know, that Nick and Knight like spirit. It's definitely been um, different than what we could have possibly expected. But at the same time, um, I'm happy with the presentation. Like I would rather it be this kind of slow, unnerving, like mystery, like the little glimpses into, um, you know, what possibly could be going on versus like the little sitcoms that they're putting on. I think it's a good contrast and I've enjoyed it so far. I'm just looking to see more in the future. So overall, I was entertained and I thought the show was well executed, especially that first episode, because it was, you know, straight, like I said, out of like Nick at Night. Um, mm-hmm. And they're definitely going for this like slow burn thing. Um, I just feel like they're benefiting from like this built in like fan loyalty and familiarity, maybe a little too much um, because like just not much happened in the first two episodes. Uh, and, you know, I'm OK with like a slow burn, but I think I just needed more of. I don't know, like layered intrigue and mystery to be happening also, like intertwined, um, you know, at least in that second episode, because there we got a few clues here and there, but still not that much. Um, they're definitely playing a long game with the story um, and making us wait for what I think is going to be a huge payoff and this like inevitable, like heartbreaking breakdown of Wanda. Um, I mm. really did love like the darkness that was kind of like under the surface of you know the two episodes um and those commercials i thought were great like how they kind of echoed like wanda's like tragic history um with i thought that was a real like nice touch you know like they're refer i think the first one seems to be referring to the bomb dropping in her and pedro's house and then like having to stare at it for days you know looking at the stark name um you know hoping that it doesn't explode and then with the second one, the second commercial in the second episode, you get the whole like Strucker thing with, you know, the fact that, you know, it was Hydra and him who gave them their powers, supposedly. Yeah. So although I'm wondering if they kind of retcon that, you know, and they end up being mutants anyway. Uh, so but yeah, no, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, the first episode, though, they played it as straight as possible. So and I think I just wasn't prepared for that, even though they've been, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> setting us up for that, you know, for the last six months with all the trailers and commercials and everything. I just thought, you know, once again, that there'd be, you know, more like little clues here and there. So um, but they they were able to pull off a really nice episode of the Dick Van Dyke show. <laughs> so that was well done. And like you said, Olsen and Bettany are fantastic in these roles. You know, they work well off of each other. They've got that style down perfectly. Um, you feel like you're watching a zany like sitcom from that era. So um, I did enjoy the clues that we got in the second episode. Um, and mm-hmm. I could see it like picking up steam with the third episode. So, um, you know, uh, that one scene with the little um, the party planning meeting with the radio. Yes. I thought that was fantastic event, where yeah. you hear the voice coming over the radio, you know, saying, Wanda, who's doing this to you? Um, you know, I thought that was great. I liked the moment with, you know, the beekeeper coming out of the sewer and her rewinding everything. Um, Sword seems to be monitoring them and they changed the acronym and kind of, I guess, we're, we're guessing, you know, by the acronym, they, they changed like the mission statement of that group because the, in the Marvel comics, that's more of a like, I think they're monitoring like space and Marvel space, comics yeah. and everything mm-hmm. where here it seems to be much more about like monitoring like superhuman activity. I'm guessing because it's like Senate like weapons. Yes. Weapons, instead of worlds. Um, observation. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a nice touch. And that makes sense that there would be a group like that existing. So. Um, all right. So do you think Wanda is being manipulated still or do you think this is 
of her own doing and she's just had some kind of like mental breakdown i mean a part of me still thinks that she's being manipulated i i feel like almost solely because of the endings where like the first episode ended and it was someone watching her so for that but that could easily be sword mm -hmm. but there was something more menacing about it and maybe that's just the way that they wanted to angle it at the time yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it could easily just be her. I mean, everything that happened in that second episode really made it seem like she was in a lot more control than I definitely thought she would be in um, well, for this series. Especially when so. she thinks she's being infiltrated and she sees the beekeeper coming out of yeah. the sewer. She, like, says no, and she just rewinds everything. So, like, that makes me feel like she's realizing that they're trying to, like, you know, interfere. And then she's like, mm -hmm. no, I'm staying in this new pocket reality that I've created. Even though maybe it's subconscious. You know, she doesn't really understand what's going on. Like, the helicopter that has, like, Iron Man's colors, but, like, the sword logo and everything on it. Yes. Um, so, I, we'll see where the third episode takes us. Um, I'm, I'm guessing there's probably some like big reveal or something that happens in that third episode. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they're structuring this in a kind of like three episode arc situation. That's why they only gave us the first two is there's something big that's going to happen in each third episode. That's how I kind of picture it is just kind of, you know, three different acts that they're trying to put well, together. And, and as we go on, maybe there'll be like, uh, you know, more outside stuff that we'll see maybe next act. But this is definitely, you know, it was trying to be as straight as possible for these three and episodes. And that's good math, man. It's nine episodes long. Uh -huh. So <laughs> the math works out. So maybe you're right. Uh, I mean, this is definitely a weird way to start off phase four. But at the same time, I found this incredibly refreshing to watch. Um, it is something different um, in general. Like I'm, I've enjoyed anything superhero wise where they do something different so I, I i mean i do feel like this is almost a reward for all the hard work that they put into putting all these you know crazy you know uh popcorn flicks that they've had come out now we get to do something a little bit more um i don't know artisanal the right word to say here something outside <laughs> of the box yeah exactly you know, some and it's refreshing i agree and remember this wasn't actually how they were going to start off the the phase four mm -hmm, like it was exactly. supposed to be black widow that kicked everything off so, um, but I, I feel like it probably ends up working regardless. So do you think this show is going to end up leading us directly to Spider-Man's uh, sequel? Since we know that there's going to be a multiverse <laughs> theme going uh -huh. there. And Doctor Strange is supposed to make an appearance in that, you know, movie. I guess, I guess, yes. At this point, I just always pictured this one coming before Doctor Strange's film. Mm -hmm. So now kind of like now knowing that Spider-Man is going to be this massive multiverse film, which I'm still not, I don't know, super happy mm -hmm. about. But uh, I could totally see that. Um, I just don't know if they if they trust Sony and everyone enough to do. I'm you know, sure WandaVision to Spider-Man to. Yeah, but I'm sure Kevin Foggy has a lot of control. What the hell's going on in Spider-Man? Yeah, <laughs> he's not going to give him the fucking keys to the car. You know, like that, especially if like that has a big part of the storyline, you know, that's going to be setting up phase four for Marvel. You know, mm. he's going to be overseeing a lot of that story. So, um, you know, especially now that we know that Doctor Strange is part of it, because that's going to, I feel like, directly lead to what happens in, you know, to Strange's sequel. So by the end of the series, do we feel like it's Wanda who's kind of like broken the multiverse? You know, along with the events that, that happened, like, in Endgame and everything. Mm. But, like, you know, maybe she's kind of the catalyst for what happens in Spider-Man 3. With, obviously, all these, like, you know, characters from, like, past franchises, like, showing up. And even, like, you know, possibly other Spider-Men. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that would be a really cool concept to do. Um, I think that would be a great answer for why it kind of feels like Spider-Man is deviating from its original, like, structure of films. Mm. You know, I think that'd be a great way to tie it all together. Because, I mean, what Spider-Man did was like the first film to react to um, the events of Endgame and everything. So I think it'd be great to see, you know, Spider-Man's the reaction to Wanda destroying the multiverse or, or at least tearing a hole. And even though it ended up being a scheme, you know, by Mysterio, they did kind of establish, you know, the scientific, you know, possibility of a multiverse yes. in, you know, Far From Home. So... You know, I mean, it, it kind of works out. You could connect the dots. Well, regardless of how the story ends, I'm, I definitely can't wait to see how it plays out. Um, and we'll probably be covering it 
week to week, I'm guessing, on the show. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> at least a little bit. Um, it'll probably be like, uh, you know, The Mandalorian, I'm guessing. Yeah, most likely, <laughs> where we did cover everything yeah, anyway. Even though so. we said we weren't going to do that, we ended up doing it. So, whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> and th- what's nice is this leads directly into uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Exactly. So, we'll always have something to yeah, talk about. Yeah, at least about. for the next 18 weeks, I guess, right? <laughs> Thank you, Feige. Yes, finally. <laughs> Well, all right, Damon, you saw a movie this week. That's right. I saw Promising Young Woman. I don't. He took a girl. Back to his room. You know, we get accusations like this all the time. So it's a he said, she said situation. What would you have me do? ruin a young man's life <laughs> a young woman traumatized by a tragic event in her past seeks out vengeance against those who crossed her path this was written and directed by emerald uh, Fennell, and it stars carrie mulligan bo burnham and allison brie so this is going to be kind of a brief review i saw promising young woman and i really wanted to talk about it But at the same time, I've got to go like as spoiler free as possible because I'm definitely like recommending this film. But it's the kind of movie that needs to be experienced firsthand with knowing as little as possible about it. So I apologize for being vague up front. But I think, you know, if you listen to this review and then you go see the film, you'll thank me for it in the long run. So, I mean, anyway, Promising Young Woman is the provocative directorial debut of Emerald Fennel. This dark comedy slash revenge thriller um, really just defies genre. And that's honestly one of my favorite like parts of this film. Uh, Fennel does an expert job of like juggling the film's tone. I mean, the tone just morphs and changes with the story scene to scene. And usually that can be quite jarring for a viewer, and I usually hate that kind of thing. (laughs) But instead, like, it's just so masterfully done that it actually invested me more into this, like, unforgettable journey. It also leads to the film feeling unpredictable and unhinged. Uh, There are some just well-executed twists that definitely catch you off guard. So the film opens up with Cassie, who's in the middle of one of her hunts. Uh, She's had a truly horrible event take place in her life and is now on this, like, I don't know, sacred mission to teach a lesson to predators. We'll just leave it at that. Um, This tragic event has just consumed her, and she only really seems to live now for this, like, I don't know, newfound mission. Um, And everything else in her life is just secondary. But all this changes, of course, when a person from her past re-enters her life and her mission just becomes, like, in conflict and compromised because of this new relationship. Uh, Carrie Mulligan just gives such a layered, nuanced performance. I can't say enough. I mean, (laughs) she's able to convey this depth of sadness and anger and conviction without saying a word at times. I mean, the whole cast is, you know, filled with talented actors, albeit in some, like, really small roles, but they really make those roles count and matter. I also love the sense of style this film had. Um, It just has this amazing color palette that looks like a mall from the 80s just exploded. I mean, it works as this, like, juxtaposition to, like, the dark subject matter. Um, Unfortunately, there's not much more... I can say about the film without spoiling it. Um, it's just an incredibly bold and heartbreaking story that really goes for the juggler. Um, now, I will say I did struggle with the last 20 minutes. And while I understand what she was going for, and I applaud and respect such a bold choice, it was a bit overwhelming, and for me, it kind of got in the way of, like, the finale. I know I'm being incredibly cryptic, but once you've seen the film, I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. But anyway, overall, I love a film that challenges you and, you know, 
keeps you up at night and that's what this film does and that's what great art should do so definitely go check out promising young woman um it's out on vod now well with that said what grade would you give this film so I'm going to give Promising Young Woman an A-. It was definitely one of my favorite films of 2020, even though it came out with like five days left in the year. Um, but it is on VOD now, like I said, and I think it's also in theaters. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, and let us know what you thought of the film. Uh, go ahead and, you know, add us at Amazing Nerd Show uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We would definitely love to hear from you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. It's time for Christian's Corner. So before you start Christian's Corner, I've got a question for you. What the fuck is this hokey pokey Digimon shit that you're doing on the live stream? Because it's it's really fucking creepy, man. What the hell is this? Is this some kind of fucking anime porn shit? That you're you're doing it oh. under our name. <laughs> <laughs> we actually finished the game. It's called Doki Doki Literature what? Club. Not whatever. Pokey <laughs> pokey, whatever. It's really kind of creepy. I, I'm not used to seeing you. First of all, that lively. Like, but the fact that you're like reenacting these characters in like these like 13 year old girl voices. I don't know, man. I, I thought it was a little uh-huh. disturbing. <laughs> hey, well, you could tune in on catch the replays actually on our Twitch right now. I'm still debating if that's something I even want to put on YouTube. <laughs> so we'll we'll figure yeah, that you out. Probably down got the a road. bunch of like guys with beards watching it with their fucking shorts around their ankles, man. I'm just D- saying, David. It's a horror video game, not to spoil it, oh, but it's it a was, horror. It was video terrifying, game. all right. <laughs> <laughs> what I don't. So all I've caught is. You just sitting there talking to another girl, but being played by some guy with a deep voice, um, you know, about books. So when does the horror aspect kick in, Christian? Well, you'd have to watch to know. I'm scared to watch. <laughs> That's why it's important to tune in live. Twitch.tv slash amazing nerd show. Christian. Stop plugging. <laughs> <laughs> Explain yourself, man. You promise there's some kind of like horror aspect to this game. That's not just some weird porn thing. Yes, I promise. There's legit horror to the game, and it's actually kind of disturbing. Okay. Well, I definitely saw the disturbing factor, like firsthand. <laughs> <laughs> well, to each his own, Christian. Yes, yes. Let's get into the gaming news, Damon. Damn it. <laughs> Before I get into my review of Cyberpunk 2077, it has come out recently that the gaming rights for Star Wars are no longer strictly under the EA family. And with that revelation came the announcement of a game being produced by Ubisoft studio Massive Entertainment. This being the team behind the division plan on making an open world Star Wars game of their own. Now, while I'm no like you know I'm not the biggest fan of Division or Ubisoft in general, I am excited by the prospects of other studios you know now getting their hands on the Star Wars license. Interactive Star Wars experiences are simply money. Any studio would be salivating at the chance to get a hold of a Star Wars license, and this news kind of you know swings the doors open for many possibilities. Most recently, Star Wars Battlefront 2, one of EA's first franchises with the license, reignited when it was given away for free on the Epic Games Store. Um, so much so that the servers were crashing from all the traffic. Um, Star Wars, as we know, is always going to be massive in any medium, and I think we're all waiting for that next big Star Wars classic of a game. I think the closest we've gotten to that so far is probably going to be Respawn's Jedi Fallen Order, um, which is a phenomenal game if you haven't tried it out just yet. It's, you know, it's it's definitely Dark Souls meets um, The Force Unleashed, uh, to a degree, of course. But in the end, I still think we can go even bigger than what we got with Fallen Order. I would love to see something along the lines of a Fallen Order, but, you know, even more expansive on, you know, choosing the light or dark. Something with more choice, like uh, something like a Skyrim or a Fallout. Maybe even a rebooted version of Knights of the Old Republic, which is still very much on the horizon. But either way, I'd love to see what other stories or types of games different studios can come up with as seeing Star Wars having such rich amounts of like history and content to pull from the possibilities and potential are endless 
And well, speaking of potential, now I'm going to switch gears to the ever-controversial Cyberpunk 2077. For my review, I'm going to be grading this based off my experience and my experience alone, as I have talked in length many times about the ultimate failures and disappointing decisions made by CD Projekt Red's leadership in the release of this game. At the end of the day, what I played on PC was enjoyable, and I found myself, and still find myself, wanting to go back into that world. As someone who loves the cyberpunk motif, um, this was an experience I've been waiting for a while. A Bethesda-style neo-future was exactly what I was looking for as a game. Cyberpunk's main questline, while shorter than I expected, introduced you to the dark future and guided you down a winding path of choices as you technically raced against time to save your life. Every main quest mission had me wanting more and wanting to see what would happen next. It made me feel like I was the star of a hot HBO series. Um, many of the side quests as well were unforgettable, but the side jobs and quests was where I began to see the cracks in this game. And while I say 80% of the side jobs were great and I highly recommend playing some, um, felt either you know unfinished or just too short to make an impact on me as a player. Um, one love interest quest line in the game in particular seemed incredibly short and easy as compared to the others. However, I was surprised by how much dialogue you could have after finishing an NPC's questline and how much um, they interacted with you outside of their own stories. Regular NPCs, however, in the world um, were nowhere near as lifelike as advertised. Um, one of the game's major flaws is its, you know, AI. NPCs reacting to V are all over the place and simply seemed unfinished. Um, there is no real driving AI either. Um, they're simply cars on rails as compared to most open world games. And if you interrupt their paths, well, the game just doesn't know what to do. And suddenly you've stopped traffic as far as the eye can see. Um, for me, combat was really fun and I enjoyed, you know, the different instruments of death at my disposal. And even by the end of the game, I felt like I hadn't really scratched the surface of like how destructive I could become. You know, crafting and upgrading weapons, on the other hand, though, um, definitely needs an overhaul. Um, it simply just did not feel intuitive. Um, and a lot of it, you know, kind of, yeah, I had to figure out on my own. The game barely walked me through how to do anything along the lines of upgrades and crafting. But both can make a huge difference between being, you know, this overpowered V or a very weak V. The world as a whole, though, you know, shows so much potential. And I feel like the game, if it had been delayed for another year, could have allowed the devs to flesh this world out um, to the one they have envisioned. But alas, it released and now it feels like I've completed a beta version of what was intended. Um, you know, there's so many places where it just feels like I should be able to sit down and like eat at the at their restaurant or walk into and it's just a lot of locked doors. But I mean, I, I, I am used to that in an open world game. You know, you're not allowed to always walk into different places, but it just feels like the amount of places you can go to are very small in comparison to most games. I believe this game is ripe with potential to have the replayability and fan base of a game kind of like Skyrim, but it's going to take hard work from CD Projekt Red to make this game playable on consoles and then fix the problems we all know is there, along with winning back you know, some of their fanfare that they had from fans. If the player base doesn't completely abandon the game before then, um, and we get a more polished world, I could see myself playing this game for years on end, with the possibility of mods taking this world to endless heights. But as of right now, we're not there. And as far as what I played, it was adequate in entertaining me and it keeps my interest, but I still can't ignore the issues that are clearly there. Um, with all that said, my final grade is going to be a B-. Um, it's a game with tons of potential for being great, but it's gonna take time before we can play that really great version of it. I would also love to know your guys' thoughts on the game and what, how you guys have had experiences or what kind of experiences you've had with it so far, because I mean, it is different for everyone who plays. 
Um, you know, different people take different paths, different choices. You know, I did Nomad and everything like that. Um, and I do plan on doing this again. I do plan on playing the game again and doing um, a couple more. Like, I want to do two more runs of it. You know, one as a street kid and, and one as a corpo. Um, but I have heard from other people that have played those other storylines that, you know, it isn't much different in general. Like, it's, you know, it's just the intro and then everything else is pretty much the same, which is disappointing to hear as well. Uh, but yeah, let me know in the comments below um, if you enjoyed this game, if you agree with my uh, grade, if you have a different grade, well, you would give it. I'd definitely love to hear that. Um, some new things coming to the channel in general. Um, I'm going to start doing Scott Pilgrim this weekend. Um, you know, it was a game that I played a long time ago. And I thought, you know, since it was getting re-released, uh, I think it's the 10th anniversary. Um, and finally showing up on PC, I would give it that a try. Um, it's a game I haven't played in so fucking long since I was on Xbox, so I'm definitely interested in playing that. And it's a world that, uh, and storyline that I really enjoy. Um, and I'm going to be bringing in retro games. Retro games are finally showing up on the channel. Um, I'm going to be playing some PS2 games and some GameCube games going in the future. Um, and I think uh, one of the first ones I'm going to do is Star Wars Episode III um, Revenge of the Sith um, licensed game. I definitely want to play that again. Uh, I love the ending for that game, so I definitely want to get there again and see what it's like uh, now that I've been so far removed from it. All right, um, and there's going to be tons of new games like that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting year. Definitely check us out on Twitch. I am live every single weekend. Um, and then we have YouTube videos that are cut down versions of my Twitch streams that play every Monday through Friday. Um, I think I might be switching it to Monday through Thursday soon, but we'll see. All right, let's move on to wrestling. So everyone can thank the fiend when I burn their Royal Rumble dreams to ashes and I go on to main event, WrestleMania. All right, so since it's a brand new year, we thought we would start things off with some predictions for the wonderful world of wrestling in 2021. Uh, this way, at the end of the year, we can look back and see how absolutely wrong we were. Um, we're going to limit it to one prediction per organization, and the organizations that we're going to be talking about are WWE, NXT, AEW, and New Japan, since that's what we watch. Yes. <laughs> All right. Which company do you want to start off with uh, first, Damon? AEW, and you can go first, Christian. Well, I'm kind of cheating here because I, I have a prediction. <laughs> I have a prediction for both companies that are involved in this, but um, it's AEW versus New Japan Pro Wrestling and some type of, you know, worlds collide type event. I want to see Kenny Omega go up against whoever is champion over at uh, New Kota, Japan right? by the end of the year. I, yes, that's that's the that's the story I would love, but you never know. Fucking, they'll they'll throw Naito at you out of nowhere uh -huh. for no reason. But um, and I guess for New Japan, then I would want to see some type of Bullet Club unification between AEW and New Japan if they're going to continue on with you know calling it out. Even though I know some guys at New Japan like Tamatanga are like you know sticking with the whole storyline where we're the true Bullet Club. You can't be doing he might this. Might be blowing smoke, but, uh, though. you know. He's yeah, good exactly. friends with Callis and Anderson, <laughs> so take exactly. that with a grain of salt. Um, all right, well, for my AEW prediction, originally I was going to say Adam Page wins the world title uh, from Omega, but I don't feel like that's bold mm -hmm. enough. I feel like that's probably definitely going to happen. Um, I'm going to say Cody Rhodes wins the title from Omega. He is going to okay. reunite with the elites, that being the Young Bucks, and he's going to kind of face off against this new version of the Bullet Club that Kenny's got going on. So you're going to have the elite versus the Bullet Club. Um, you know, you could do the whole blood and guts match that they were kind of teasing with the inner circle um, back like almost a year ago. Uh, and, you know, somehow Cody will work around the stipulation of not being able to contend for the world title. That's my prediction. If you yeah, say that's why so. I say so, man. <laughs> I feel that that's as likely as happening as some big tournament between New Japan and AEW in the middle of a fucking pandemic, Christian. We're nearing. Oh, you don't. You know, don't you fucking say it. <laughs> <laughs> you better knock on wood, asshole. <laughs> All right. So for New Japan, I'm making a little bit of a little more of a safe 
prediction here. I'm going to say Will Ospreay okay. um, is going to win the world title at some point during the year. I don't think this is going to be like a, a Wrestle Kingdom type deal. Um, this could just be like he gets a title match and he ends up pulling off an upset. Um, you know, and maybe it's just like a, like, you know, couple month reign, but he'll be kind of like a transitional like champion for them. So just kind of like testing the waters for when he eventually, you know, goes on a big, you know, title run, um, in a, yeah. in a year or two. Maybe like, like, like in a dominion. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. You know, big something just kind of establishes him as like one of their, like, you know, big four main eventers. All right. Uh, for NXT, I think we're going to officially say goodbye to Adam Cole. Um, we're going to put his career oh, to rest God, as he goes up, to, Jesus. goes up to the main roster. Why do you hate <laughs> us? I don't hate us. I just think that's, you know, the inevitability of um, his career at this point. Um, he'll immediately get into a feud with Randy Orton, um, get punted, and then we'll see him chasing after the 24-7 <laughs> championship. For the rest of the year. After Randy Orton, uh, like, sets him on fire, though, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. Oh, God, that's totally going to happen, too. <laughs> <laughs> He'll get at least one big feud. And he might it. get a big win. I might even give him a big feud. I mean, fucking Riddle and Keith Lee both didn't get a big feud, so. I, I'd like to think that Triple H has propped him up to be Bigger in Vince McMahon's eyes. Well, you would be wrong, Christian. All right. So for my NXT prediction, I've got them moving to another night. They'll no longer be on Wednesdays. And the reason behind it will be if they just sit down and really analyze things, they'll realize that they could beat AEW in the ratings if they want to. Not just take away viewers from them if they, you know, move to another, you know, time slot or another day because... AEW fans will watch NXT where I don't feel like NXT fans will watch AEW. So all those fans who are too busy watching AEW on Wednesdays will tune in on another night to watch NXT. So I feel like their ratings will actually end up beating AEW. Um, I mean, you're completely right. That's exactly what would happen. But, I mean, the big flaw there is that you want WWE to analyze and take a moment to think about something. Well, and that's just they not analyze. Gonna... <laughs> they analyze, but it's all about taking viewers away right now for AEW. Uh -huh. But after losing that's all they care about. this many consecutive <laughs> weeks, I think they put their tail between their legs and they realize, oh, we can beat them another way. Because all that matters is them being able to frame it and like, oh, NXT is beating AEW in the ratings. I think that's a big enough feather in their cap. To satisfy even McMahon. Okay. Okay. Well, for WWE in general, I kind of went uh, very safe because uh, <laughs> I just don't have much faith in any storyline at this point. But I think they, they will have Roman eventually turn on Heyman, and this will lead to the possible return of Lesnar. Yeah. No, that's probably happening. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not this year, <laughs> but it, it's definitely happening eventually. So, uh -huh. um, and, you know, with the ratings being the way they are, you know, Vince always turns to Lesnar eventually. So exactly. even if it's Lesnar coming back as a face and Heyman doesn't turn on him, I could still see, you know, a Roman versus Brock situation happening. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like seeing Heyman take an F5, right? <laughs> There's no way they're going to let Heyman take an F5. <laughs> Brock would fucking kill him. <laughs> all right so i'm gonna make another prediction that probably is not gonna happen but you know what we're we're putting shit out there because if one of these hit you know you got bragging rights for the year right so <laughs> okay i'm saying with wwe triple h is gonna take over creative from bruce pritchard on smackdown and raw now it might just be as a figurehead situation and vince will still be pulling the strings but I think they're going to finally like have Triple H step up in that position. So I think they're going to use Pritchard as a scapegoat as usual, you know, because that's what they did with Bischoff and Heyman. Um, but this is kind of a way to prop up Triple H so investors get used to him, like, you know, kind of like running things, even if it's just bullshit mm. and Vince is still, you know, the puppet master in the long run. But that way, the investors are used to him when eventually, you know, Triple H does ascend to power when Vince either dies at grill position or ends up having to retire. Oh, it's going to be at Grilla Bruce. Yeah, yeah, it's not, absolutely. He's not retiring. Yeah. <laughs> or in the ring. 
He'll take the F5 from Brock. <laughs> that's that's what Brock needs on his career notes. You know, um, defeater of The Undertaker, killer of McMahon. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. He'll make him the biggest baby face in the territory. <laughs> I don't want to uh, see Vince McMahon die, by the way. No, no. We, we don't wish him <laughs> I'm any on there, Yes. No, no, no. I love Vince. I just hate his product right now. Uh, all right. Um, those are some bold predictions. That's almost as bold as, you know, my Oscar three belts. But that was almost a thing. Remember? That was so close. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. If any of these hits, it's like winning the lotto. <laughs> and then you'll never shut me up. Exactly. Watch Watch Oscar actually win another title out of nowhere. She's not. Did it's, you see Monday? She's not winning. They, they almost ruined her on Monday. Just true. The fact I, that I she feel was scared like... of Alexa Bliss because she put on some black lipstick. I mean, that says it all. Uh, while, while she's still coming out in full face paint to herself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they basically Seth Rollins her. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, all right. That does it for our predictions. Hopefully at least one of them comes true, right? Yeah. And we'll definitely revisit these at the end of the year. And we'll see if any of these like, you know, acidine predictions come true. If you think these are going to come true or have any predictions of your own, let us know on social media for sure. That's at Amazing Nerd Show on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Yes. Well, that does it for this week. That's right, and as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some Amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, Dan, what are we talking about next week? Well, uh, we'll be talking more WandaVision and a whole lot more. Yeah, so tune in next time. This is Christian. And this is David. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. That is from Earth. Just not yours. There are multiple realities, Peter. This is Earth, Dimension 616. I'm from Earth 833. I'm sorry, you're saying there's a multiverse? Because I thought that was just theoretical. I mean, that completely changes how we understand the initial singularity. We're talking about an eternal inflation system, and how does that even work with all the quantum? It's insane. Sorry.